is live. All right, yeah, that feels better. We are recording. Cool. I, I was saying we're live, and I mean technically, in our terms, we are. But mm. I'm not like doing like a YouTube live or anything like that when I podcast. I might, I might start doing a little bit of that um, on down the road, though. Yeah, that sounds do you good. Do, do you do live on your podcast? No, I'm much, much more comfortable with just you know the tape, running the tape, and recording that way. Yeah, yeah, me, me too. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking real seriously about getting uh, like an external that that way I can, and I do surf around on my Mac, and my phone and stuff, but uh, just to like look at, look stuff up. But in, unless I have a third person in the room that's pulling stuff up for me, or oh yeah, it's gonna be it'd be convenient. A little a uh, little less limited, but a couple of the podcasts uh, that we did for music unraveled, and I, I'm still trying to release the second one. I got to finish some edits for YouTube. We are putting in like pictures and oh, that's cool. You know, uh, lyrics and different things. Um, pictures like we got a set list from a couple of different shows we went to, so. But uh, anyway, so for the audience that's uh, listening, we're, I'm sitting down with uh, Chris Thompson, owner of Thompson Defense Academy, um, law enforcement veteran. Tell, tell, us, tell us all about your, uh, yourself. Oh, man. There's a lot. The older you get, there's, the more there is to tell. <laughs> yeah, so um, we, well, we've been knowing each other for what? How long now? Oh, man. We met I know in, it's been oh, over... 15 years it has to be yeah i know man I, it's it's been a long time and i'm thinking it was back in 2005 2006 maybe it would have been after 06 i started training in 06 but it was i feel like i've been trained about 18 months so it's probably like between 07 and 08 so mm-hmm. 10 years yeah it's been it's been a long time though we uh you know we trained together and rolled together and now we're doing podcasts together. Oh yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> but what? So you're born Darnell, and then you did. You, how'd you get? You got into law enforcement at some point, and what? What got you into? Uh, you know, and mm. into and out of, and and so on, so on and so forth. Oh yeah, that's an interesting story because when I was coming up in high school, um, while I was at home, I had this little small TV. I can't remember. It's maybe a little ten inch TV. And you remember, you had the knobs on the TV, and I'd be turning the TV over and get like what they call channel 16. You had to switch from VHF to UHF or something, so I had to switch to antenna. Man, switching signals is not easy. Yeah, I had to <laughs> uh, going from TV to mixer and headphone amp and the uh, video. What we're doing right now, going into the camera on the card for YouTube. Mm-hmm. Those are special, like frequency uh you have to get a different like i'd say called um mono to stereo yeah which i'm sure you know all about but it's not like it, it an instrument cable is not mono to stereo no <laughs> i found that out anyway yeah so go ahead yeah when <laughs> i was um looking that stuff up and i was looking for i think the channel 16 little rock station and um i saw a show called cops I was like, man, I can't believe this stuff is on TV. Yeah. I didn't think it was, I thought it was like a com, had to be like a comedy or a one off show. I'm like, man, this Saturday at seven o'clock. So I'm going to turn over here next Saturday at seven o'clock and see if the show's on. And the shows kept coming on. I was like, I can't believe they're putting this stuff on TV. 
after the second or third show, I'm like, I got to do this. You know, I think I can do that. And it's like, you know, it's like anything else. You see martial arts, you see people fighting, and you think, I think I can do that. You know, it's going to be cool to go out and, and learn that as a skill and, and go do it. You know, just part of your life adventure. Um, but one thing, I, I think I was, can't remember how old I was, but I know once I reached college, I started working with the university and under their security, under the division, well, supervision of the police department, the university police over there in Fayetteville. And mm -hmm. um, actually, my mom didn't want me to do it because she knew I really didn't want to go to college at first. I wanted to be an architect, but I also wanted to be a police Dude, officer. I, I used to kind of want to be an <laughs> architect or an engineer, but I suck at math, bro. Oh, yeah? I mean, I, it's not that I suck. I could be good at it, but, like, I have I have poor retention of it. Um, I can I can take a math class. I took uh, college math, whatever the gen ed um, requirement was for mm -hmm. my uh, undergrad degree and made, I believe I made an A in the course. I made an A in logic. And the logic, it, it like U of A, where you're talking about, is equivalent to a, a pre-cal credit. Logic uh, class? Yeah. Uh -huh. Mathematics is based off logic. But, uh, it, you know, it's a lot different. And I, I just, like I said, I have poor retention for mathematics. But, it, but it's not an if-then statement. Yeah, what do you mean? The logic class that you took, was it if-then statements? Yeah, uh, well, yeah, you, so part of it. It was broken. Yeah. For, we started with um, fallacies. So, yeah. you know, all, all the survey, basically just a survey or an overview of the fallacies. Then um, truth tables, formal proofs of validity, which is getting into what you're talking about and using mm -hmm. um, equations for, to solve uh, certain statements and, and uh, to derive their uh, uh, correctness and so on. Yeah, because I took a class like that in college, and it was if, then, and therefore yes. a lot of statements. And it got – it was all words. But it was it got to be pretty difficult because you were doing you were relating the words to if, equations. If S then P. Yeah. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. I've actually got a book. <laughs> I've got two books. Uh, what's fascinating is I I really want to have my former philosophy professor who's now retired. I saw him the other day and talked to him briefly. Uh, I want to have him on the podcast. He has an amazing story. But the guy that wrote the logic textbook that a lot of um, a lot of people use, a guy named uh, Irving Copey. C-O-P-I, uh, he, he was, I want to say, a G-A mm -hmm. for Irving Copey, or was a G-A at the same time that Copey taught at the university he went to in Southern, I believe Southern California. Oh. It was Berkeley. It, he's, it, he's a super, super great person. I, got, I have a lot of respect for him, but I, I would love to have him on the podcast. Mm -hmm. So It's, it's funny when you, um, when you take that when you take logic from a logic class and you apply it to real life and people don't get the relationships and they'll come up with something that's illogical. <laughs> yeah. And it, I don't know. It's just funny. I guess that's one of those internal jokes. When you talk to people, you don't tell them what the punchline is. Yeah. <laughs> the, when we first uh, started that logic class, he was like, when we we're doing those fallacies, uh, and I, it's like I, when I read Facebook more than anything, I know. Uh, but uh, he's just like, hey, you know, just because, like, you know these, that they're not going to make you any friends. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, uh, yeah. So you're thinking about getting into architecture. 
Yeah, that was that was my main um, spill pretty much when I was a kid coming up because I always had a piece of paper in front of me and I was always drawing something, and it wasn't I wasn't the type to sit down and you know like draw like the chessboard or a picture of a statue or something. Dude, I, I played drew... a game of speed chess on the podcast. Did you two days ago yesterday Friday, and I got I got beat in less than five minutes by Josh Wilson. Oh shoot. Yes. Yeah, uh, speed chess is hard, dude. How many seconds a move? Well, you 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 set the clock for five minutes, and then he had like this little thing, and like it's a touch deal. So mm-hmm. like when I touch, his timer starts going. So I move, and and then I, you know, well, that was hard to so figuring out how to do that. And yeah. then like you can't, you don't have no time to strategize. I'm gonna play. I want to play him a long game next time he comes on. But mm-hmm. uh, anyway, yeah. Mm-hmm. But um. <clears throat> You know, instead of drawing stuff like that, I I thought it was boring. I used to draw pictures of, um, like, highways, buildings, um, utility poles, and run electricity. Basically, I was an engineer and an architect kind of combined together because that was what I'd done. When I traveled in the car, I would always look out the window, and I would take notice of the how the everything was laid out, how the city's laid out how the buildings were laid out compared to the highway and which directions they were turned. It was kind of a a nerdy thing, I guess. But that was, um, I don't know, as a kid, that was kind of a fascination. So that's what brought me onto the architecture. But once I got into the program and took a couple of classes, it was interesting, but it was, it was boring. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't the most interesting thing that I've done. You know, which I would just, I would probably describe you now as to people listening as an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. would uh, would be a great description for your uh, trajectory and current uh, state of affairs. But uh, that's something I tell, like when I go um, give talks at schools and motivational type, uh, like uh, whether we're doing a martial arts demo or not, it's like, hey, you know, I didn't get my stuff figured out until like my current trajectory until I was probably 23 years old. Mm-hmm. And, but I remember being, and I was, I've been telling my college students this, I remember being 18, 19 years old and uh, just like stressing over what was going to be next. And should I be an <laughs> architect or a radiology person or a blah, blah, blah. And even, uh, even uh, my wife, Cora, she was, you know, I'm going to be a dental hygienist. Oh, really? And, you know, that's just not how it turned out. And um, yeah. and I don't think that uh, either one of us regrets that. But mm-hmm. uh, that's being an entrepreneur just, just allows you, like, I was just thinking just this morning how different it is. Like how, like, some people I know went even a similar route but didn't don't have something like martial arts going on, and it turned out totally different for them. But... Um, and they're, you know, they're trying to find employment or, or oh, yeah. haven't really settled into life, so to speak. And then you're and, that job yeah. kind of situation, job field and search and, uh, I don't know. Yeah. That's like, you know, everything I'm doing is because I want to do it. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I want to do a lot of stuff Yeah, like this that's podcast. The way I've always, yeah. That's the way I've always been. And it's, and it's been something I've done as a kid, always coming up. I've always had my hands here, hands there, doing different things. I may wake up, draw one day. I may wake up the next day, and I may be a picture of a baseball team or something, you know. Yeah. So how uh, you, 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 I would also um, 
consider you a musician how long have you been uh how long have you been playing music what uh what got you into music mm. man and that that comes from again as a kid listening to the radio coming up and my first mu uh, musical instrument that i wanted to play was actually a keyboard but um and then guitar second but i had a, an eclectic taste of music and i prefer rock and roll more than anything because i feel like it you can be more diverse than that if you make a song if you write a song you can have it be about anything sometimes you get it get in stuck into a certain genre they want you to be they or the, your audience will expect this type of song or this type of subject where to me you know i'm way out there i may i may be talking yeah. about aliens <laughs> Well, something crazy. You no, know, I uh, I think that's a uh, broad creative license. Uh, Guy Ritchie was saying that on uh, I don't know if you've seen that movie King Arthur, uh, mm -hmm. but Guy Ritchie was saying uh, that when he did that, that was like he opened the opening scene. He did a certain few things to give him broad creative licensure oh, yeah? for the audience for the for going forward. Uh -huh. But I mean, think about all the all the people that have, have been experimental like that. And so, what if it lost them some fans? Like, uh, it, it gained them some in that era. Or like Neil Young, you know, went super experimental in the eighties. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just kind of like done what he wanted to do. And I think that's what you should do, whether you're doing music or jujitsu or whatever, is to not get super set on one. Oh, you got to be your own person. Yeah, everybody's everybody's a different individual. Um, and that that uh, allows to some sort of unique approach, you know, like you might have a, a way better half guard than me. Mm -hmm. And that <clears throat> that might just be because of some trait or attribute that has nothing to do with half guard. Like I, I talked <laughs> about my buddy Dylan. It's like he is a sick musician, sick guitar player, sick drummer. Um, and he picks up jujitsu really fast. Yeah. And it's because <clears throat> uh, I think because a lot of the same things about him that make him good at, at music, make him good at jujitsu. Mm -hmm. It's like a, about how like how he processes things. Does, does he, he read music? About it. Um, I don't know. Okay. I think so. It's like mean, in, in the fifth grade, I started band and I played trumpet in the band. You know, nice kind of another See, nerdy I wish thing. I, I wish I well, I wish I would have done that. I talked about that yeah. uh, with my last uh, guest. Uh, or two two guests ago, that I was like approached with, hey, do you want to do football or band? I was like, I want to do both, and they're like, oh, I remember you talking can't about that. Do that, yeah. And I and I've done both. I played football and and was in the band, and it's you it's probably some, could do both. It was probably yeah. just more paper. And it was something when I told the coach, you know, at halftime, I was going to march with the band, and they're like, you know, mm. going and get out of here. You're not. You're probably not going to be the football type. <laughs> you know, and it was so like, go do music. I, I was in uh, theater and football, and there was like some division there as well. It's like, oh, mm -hmm. you do that, that, and that. You know, and it was. It's. It's unfortunate that you can't. Uh, that there are these categorical stereotypes that mm -hmm. you know. It's like you can't be an athlete and a musician. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Forget that. This is Studio A. Studio B is across the hall. <laughs> I know. Just got a got a PA and a drum kit, and yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, do, but, follow, follow your own way. But when I, um, you know, coming up in fifth grade, playing music all the way through, you know, till I graduated high school, I mean, you learn how to read music and you learn how to follow patterns and you learn how to memorize certain sequences. And 
Everybody does it. You just do it to a certain extent. Like, if you can't read music, you hear your favorite song and you can hum it and you memorize the sequence. But when you go into, like, jujitsu, you listen to the teacher and they teach you a certain sequence. And those two skills are the same. It doesn't matter if it's A, B sharp, C, or whatever. You remember one, two, three, and you remember a general order, or you remember how to get to the end. You may miss a few notes on the on the way, but you know how to get from a beginning point to an ending point. And I see that as like the connection between like a musician and a martial artist. Because how many of us jiu-jitsu people are musicians? I know. I mean, I know quite, a lot of us. I know quite a few people that that are that are sick at both. You yeah. Know? <laughs> like whether uh, you know whether they're people in like because uh, we both own a martial arts school so that's a unique similarity that we both uh, are big time in the music and play music but uh, a lot of a lot of my people the gym play this or that instrument mm-hmm. bass slapping the bass uh, I've got the bass. yeah I got a, I got a, <laughs> I got a couple of people that um, are musically talented on the squad mm-hmm Cause it doesn't surprise me. It used to, it surprised me at first, like when I learned that you played guitar and you sang and performed the show, and I was like, man, he's a musician too. We're then Renaissance I, people. Yeah. Then I met Johnny, and Johnny was talking about being in punk bands and playing bass. And I'm Johnny like, slaps the bass. Yeah. I'm like, man, he's he's a musician too. And it's you know, I ask a, a lot of people, you know, they know jujitsu or if they're doing jujitsu, if they're a musician or, you know, what's their instrument. Um. There's probably a few secret musicians that we don't know about, like Nate. He's a singer. Oh, dude, Nate has a drum kit set Does up he? in his bedroom. He has a djembe, and I'm going to tell you, bro, I found the djembe on the marketplace that I want to buy so bad. It's got this buffalo. It's a buffalo skin head, and it's got this sick head cover. It's 18 inches. Mm, those are nice. <sighs> I'm struggling not to buy it. <laughs> I've been wanting one of those for a long time. I've got one, but it's a nine-inch head. I bought it in Eureka Springs, and uh, I got an incredible deal on it. I bought Roger Waters tickets the same weekend, um, Memorial mm. Day sale. But, uh, yeah, djembe's are, are sick. I um, I used to have a cajon, but I traded it for an acoustic amp. Uh, oh, yeah? Yeah, which I just get way more use out of. But I would really like a djembe uh, around the house as well as a... Uh, a set of congas or bongos either one or both because yeah. i can like i tell people frequently i'm real I'm, i can do two things at once <laughs> but once you add like bass snare and uh yeah you know, it's just too much and a hi-hat or it's something too much mm-hmm. i can't i can't do I, I can do three things at once just not at the drums and that's not where i'm gonna put my energy but i do like i'm, I'm a really big fan of world percussion like one of my favorite bands mm. widespread panic they have a drummer mm-hmm. who's sick he just said he has like no expression while he's playing Dwayne trucks uh but they have a a, a, a bongo and m- like all of this stuff player mm-hmm. <laughs> world percussionist Look. and named sonny ortiz and uh it just adds a whole other element to the uh, band. did you like dream theater yeah, I never got super into them, um, but they're, I believe it's their drummer. Yes, their dr- drummer's in a band I've recently been uh, getting into that my buddy Dylan, I just mentioned earlier, turned me on to Winery Dogs. Yeah, uh, they're, they're awesome. They're when I dude. When I first heard that, I thought it was, um, you know, rest in peace. I thought it was Chris Cornell Yeah, singing, yeah. and um, I didn't know it was the guitar player. I mean, I was, he's a sick guitar player. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, did you ever listen to Chicken Foot? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's my uh, man, Satriani. Yeah. 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 See, I know you were a Satriani fan. Yeah. Um, but now nah, they are uh, they are sick as well. I've just recently gotten into them. Um, oh, yeah? Yeah. Somebody uh, I recently heard on Joe Rogan's podcast was talking about um, David Lee Roth. What oh, was yeah. he saying? Oh, he said that people would uh, be like, "Oh, we can't believe you!" Like people that he went to like high school with or something, mm-hmm. be like, "Oh, we can't believe you're this guy," <laughs> you know? Blah, blah blah. We we work at the bank or whatever. Yeah. And he's like, "I, I hey, I chose to sail the seas of consequence," <laughs> you know. So that's uh. So the, and I was like, yeah, me too, because uh-huh. <laughs> you know, like I just took a total non-traditional path with what I was gonna do, yeah, and sometimes I, I feel like uh, early on and like that kind of while you're forming your prefrontal frontal cortex, like that, you know, until you're 23, 25 years old, depending on who you are and your upbringing and your support system, are fully developed and confident as enough as a person to like choose this is what I want to do. You know, like, cause mm-hmm. I, I didn't, like I said, I didn't get out of school till well after I was 25. And I'm just now, like I t- I t- I've been telling people this, like, it's hard to choose one thing. It is, but you know, and I, I enjoy, uh, like I'm teaching, uh, teaching classes at, um, the university because I want to, you know, mm-hmm. it's not like out of a necessity of, I have to do this. Like I can, it's, I want to do this. I want to do the podcast. I want to teach jiu-jitsu i want to own a martial arts school i want to play music oh yeah and i want to talk about all of it and i want to binge watch netflix shows <laughs> and drink lots of coffee because why i mean why limit yourself sometimes i mean dude i mean there's a, there's a lot of passions i think people want to do and they'll sit at home on a monday or maybe every monday but monday tuesday wednesday or whatever their patterns are and fantasize about the things that they could be doing and they limit themselves because they'll get married and they'll have kids and they'll just stop their whole life and they say, well, my life is dedicated to them. But when you have a family, you're supposed to be a leader and you're supposed to go out and do things so your kids look at you as as being the leader, you know, as opposed to them watching TV and looking at whoever, you know, for their role model. People talk about good role models, bad role models, but if you... If you make yourself the role model in your household, I mean, you're, you should be the leader for your kids to follow. I mean, who else should be their hero? Yeah, for real. Don Quixote could be their leader, <laughs> their role model. <laughs> so, uh, what uh, so do you just at one point work in the main streets? Oh, man. Decide to get into martial arts training or this kind of. What what led you down that path as well? Because you you go to you got a high school, you you got into music earlier on. Mm-hmm. Um, Martial you, arts is it was it was one of those fantasy type of things, and it really got big, you know, with the Karate Kid movies coming up. Hell yeah! Yeah, and, and I was in I can't remember middle school, junior high, and I saw those things, and it you know, being a black belt was something. It was just those fantasies. Coming up, you didn't think you were ever going to make it to that level. And then I realized there were people around in my area, you know, like um, George Owens and mm-hmm. those guys, you know, that were doing it for real. And you hear about those things. And my mom actually started training under him. And uh, I think it's Hanto Ru Karate. 
And I think she went up to Brown Belt. If I can't, don't quote me on that. But it's somewhere around in there. And that's back when they had the belt systems that were just pretty much standard, you know, six to eight belts. There was no camo belts or stripe belts or nothing like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you spent a while at white belt. And then you went to, I think it was, it's either yellow or orange. I can't remember. But there was one or the other. There wasn't both of them. And I remember becoming a blue belt, and I think she kept the same belt because um, she would dye her belt from one color to the next. Yeah, Mr. Dean. Yeah, and it was was an old school type of thing. And, you know, I saw her coming up and doing that, and she took us to the dojo one day, and wasn't anybody there, but she was working out doing something, and I went to hit the bag. And um, my little hands, you know, with the heavy bag, it didn't work out too well. little hands. Yeah. And the speed bag was too tall, and I'm like, man, I can't do martial arts because <laughs> the bags are too, they're, you know, they're too hard and they're too high up there. So, um, but you know, she got started. I watched her, and my sister got started doing taekwondo when she was away in college, and she competed a lot and she fought a lot, and some pretty rough fights, <laughs> you know, for taekwondo, what they call taekwondo. <laughs> competitions and like listening to joe rogan talk about those days yeah. and during uh-huh. it's like oh my gosh man like uh like getting knocked out and like not the headgear um not being on mm-hmm. and you falling and busting your eyebrow or your head yeah. on the gym floor it's not the stuff. first hit it's the second one yeah <laughs> secondary impact i wonder if that's where that phrase comes from it's gonna be two hits me hitting you, and you, you hitting, hitting the floor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, But when she was away in college, she competed a lot in, um, you know, taekwondo tournaments. And when she would come home, she would tell me about them. And, you know, I saw her go through her ranks and have her black belt test. And her test being, you know, I think it was the first or second test. She went out there and, you know, done all the katas. They done... First kata all the way up to the, the black belt kata, you know, just all in a row. And then they would break off and they would uh, spar. And um, then the sparring got from one-on-one to group sparring, two-on-one, three-on-one, and four-on-one. And it just kept getting more. And they, it was just her fighting two, three people, four people, five people. And then it was the whole class. She had to fight the whole class. And then after that, they had to go do their board breaks after they done the sparring and i was like man i wonder if i can do that my sister can whip my ass yeah <laughs> <laughs> what a nightmare <laughs> i know but she she would come home and she would teach me the katas and um my son he was i don't know he was three or four somewhere around and then and he would watch us do it and um she would kind of teach him and he would kind of get it but kind of not get it and I didn't exactly get it at first. You know, Chun-Chi seemed pretty difficult when you didn't have any clue about what a four-balance stance was. But um, she, I think she taught us the first couple of katas and told me, you know, keep practicing, keep practicing. You know, you do this and, you know, maybe you come down and, you know, we can um, get you into class or something like that. But, you know, she was living in Tulsa at the time. I was still in Darnell. And um, it was actually my ex-wife one day went over and signed us up and in taekwondo that happens a lot i get a lot of wives that come in and and are like hey i'm here to sign my family up just 
this I've always wanted to try it or mm-hmm. um, this want the perceived benefits, which are very real that come with martial arts or exercise. That's, that's the thing. It's like whether or not, um, you know, cause we both practice MMA, yeah. you know, and no matter what martial art you practice, they're all a great form of, of just, you know, confidence building uh, there. There's just a lot of exercise. There's a lot of physical and mental benefits associated with, with all forms of martial arts, yoga, massage you know i mean all these different things and uh you know i think that while you might not be into boxing or kickboxing you might be into a traditional martial (laughs) art and that you know that's appeals to a a a bigger range of people and you know whether or not they're doing it for sport reasons or self-defense reasons or what have you uh, it's it's just such a broad topic and that that makes me think because one thing when i was uh talk about being a kid and coming up, one thing I said I would never do, I would watch the guys box on TV, and I was like, I'll never box. I know, dude. <laughs> I've been box. I've been studying boxing. It, uh, is is its own um, individual sport, I guess you could say. This uh, is a singular, a special, a specialty, a special speciality, mm-hmm. a specialty uh, approach to. Uh, what we're doing since 2013 yeah. and it is definitively different. Like I can see and tell you a lot of the crossovers and, and how to, to blend the boxing into a lot of other things into the, mm-hmm. into the kicks and into the takedowns and into the clinches. And, uh, but it's just like doing boxing for boxing and boxing for the sport of boxing is completely different. It's like doing Taekwondo for sport. Taekwondo is oh, different, yeah. but you look at somebody like Benson Henderson in his prime or Anthony Pettis that are like Taekwondo based guys, they or Joe Rogan. It's like, they bring badass kicks to like, oh, yeah. you blend that with the Muay Thai game and you add the boxing in on top of it. And you either you a dynamic counter, counter wrestle or are a wrestler like Stipe. He's <laughs> like a two, two style, uh, martial, martial artist. artist. And I think if you have wrestling or boxing as a background, that it's you're gonna you have a very high likelihood to kill it, and that's why I, I wanted to go that direction too, is because we um, just always focus on wrestling and 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 do um, especially when we're turning MMA or um, in nogi, like at the beginning on the front end of our nogi classes, but um, you know it's sad that we have the judo program yeah. at the boxing club. We got kickboxing. Um, and then one of my reasons for not wanting to box was I didn't want to get hit. Yeah. Not, and, and look at me, you know. <laughs> I remember one time Nate. Kickboxing looked, appealed to me, but boxing didn't. I know. I don't know me why. too, early on. Me too. I felt the same way. Um, and then I was just like, I hit mitts all the time, you know. Like, I'm doing <laughs> boxing half the time. What are you talking about? I punch all the time. Yeah. But it's definitively different. The base is different. The strategy is different. The do's and don'ts are different. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of crossover, obviously. Yeah. But uh, it's. Um, I always thought kicking somebody was the way to go. And <laughs> when I started Taekwondo, that carried over because I, I, I want to hit kick somebody. <laughs> yeah, I feel the same way. I, yeah. I recently, like, I haven't, I haven't accidentally knocked anyone out in a long time, and I, <laughs> I, I kind of flash knocked somebody out um, not too long ago, mm-hmm. and uh, it just happens, man. Like, yeah. like I once told somebody, uh, there's no polite way to kick someone in the face. No. 
And it's just, it is what it is. I saw a kick the other day. Try, try not to land the too much shin. Did you see that <laughs> where the dude's teeth, he got kicked, just like, boom, just shattered his teeth. Like they took his mouthpiece out and there were all these teeth oh, in the mouthpiece. Yeah. Oh my God. You can't even, the mouthpiece doesn't even protect you. That's good. Invest in a good mouthpiece. He probably had his jaw open or his jaw hanging down. Damn. Because you get hit twice. I'm not, yeah. You ever seen like people get kicked in the arm and like their, their hand just like falls over? Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Um. That was happens Rich, in kickboxing periodically. Oh, yeah, against Chuck Liddell, right? Yeah. And then he knocked him out. Yeah. <laughs> I've been telling everybody Chuck's coming back. He's going to fight in Bellator. Yeah, he's, he's getting in shape. He's going to fight three people. Oh, three? I, I have three predictions. Oh, Who do okay. you think he's going to oh, fight? Oh, Tito for one. <laughs> I think I think Tito, too, dude. I think he would fight Shale Sonnen, too. Shale, they're already hopping that. Who do you think's number three? Rampage for revenge. I've, I've been talking about this, dude. You've been listening to the podcast? No, no. Yeah. Um, it, I've been talking about I, that. I, I feel I like those are my same yeah. three predictions or and or is a fi finale Captain America. Randy Couture comes out of oh, retirement. Oh, you think? Yeah, because you know why? You know why? Uh-huh. I think that... After this heavyweight Grand Prix is over, we'll start to see some of this stuff materialize because they'll have fight. nothing else to make money off of. Yeah, uh, and I think that uh, I think that Randy's going to come out of retirement and fight Fedor because hmm. that's a fight that never happened that Randy yeah. always wanted. And I never I, thought I, about that. Yeah, yeah, I have a I, I have a, a lot of little um, theories theories on Bellator. <laughs> But uh, we'll save that for a, an episode of oh, uh, yeah. weekly MMA Sports Unraveled episode. Uh -huh. Anyway, but uh, yeah, that's uh, I, I to definitely because I think that's Bellator's model is to the, like everybody feels let down by the UFC because they're they're trying to sell you these divisions, but oh, they're man. not. Um, they're not they're, validating. Yeah, and that, even that's like when the lobbying was going on uh, in Congress and stuff. That that was kind of coming to the forefront. It's like, well, mm. where is the seating? Where is the rankings? Mm -hmm. where, where is uh, you know? And and I get that. And but Bellator doesn't kind of come. It's like, yeah, we had visions, we have champions, but look at this fight over here, Kimbo oh, yeah. Slice versus you know, it's yeah. it. They just they're a circus. They like I feel like yeah, but I feel like they legitimized yeah. a lot more. The UFC more, was a circus starting out. Yes, granted. I f they're, I, well, they're not like less of a circus. They were a circus, and now they're the Wild West. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think <laughs> that they're kind of like a a pride esque organization. I love what they've done with their cage, man. How they can do how they do mm -hmm. the kickboxing, and I think that's the future. I have a theory too. Um, that over time, well, we're going to start seeing more and more. Flat what, surface. Uh, yes. But, well, seeing that extra length on the outside of the um, ring, right? Mm -hmm. But also um, starting to see there's this, and it may just be in our region, but I really think that it is um, outside of our region. And I think that seeing that in Bellator is the first kind of move is a lot of organizations in like, like St. Louis, for example, Oklahoma, like Apollo Cook, uh, who was in, you know, one of the coaches and trainers featured in Choke with Hicks and Gracie. Mm. But they do these promotions, uh, Memphis. Uh, I've seen a lot of regional, in our region, promotions do this and, and elsewhere. They do, like, pro-am, but not amateur boxing, but uh, boxing, kickboxing, and MMA all on the same card in the ring. Yeah, and that, for MMA they do a five ring rope, uh, five rope ring. Oh yeah, you know. But yeah, I think that, that with the extra um, 
you know, length on the outside. I think that's a sustainable model. It does change the wall work. It changes that part of the game. Mm-hmm. But uh, that I, people I still are like the, the pride style where you have kicks and whatever on the ground because it forces pride people rules. to fight. Yeah, it doesn't force. I mean, you get tired. You can lay on somebody. At certain spots, you're not actually in danger. And what do you think about the whole like? Oh, yep. No, you didn't fight enough, so you're not getting that ten thousand dollars off your, you know, or whatever. Oh shoot, that that, that would suck. Yeah, I know <laughs> that. What what they what they gave him a card or something? I can't. Oh, the yellow card. The yellow card. If they got yeah. the red card. I think they were penalized so much money. Yeah, yeah. That, that that's what I'm talking. That about, happened the, the rampage card. in a fight, and I think he finished it like few seconds afterwards. Rampage is so funny. I think that <laughs> I was talking to my buddy Josh um, about, like, I was just texting him, like, what's next for Rampage? He's like, retirement. And I was oh, like, yeah. bro, Rampage still has to fight Chuck Waddell, according to my theory. Uh-huh. And uh, and he was, and I was like, but their fight happened, Rampage versus Rashad right now. And he's like, well, I thought Rashad was going to fight Bisping. And I was like, well, after Rashad loses to Bisping and has to go to Bellator, or whatever. I actually th- have this conspiracy that the Fertitta brothers own Bellator. Yeah. Yeah. It, it would make sense. It makes I mean, of, at least to be an investor or, or a, or a silent partner or something like that. Yeah, I think that's exactly what's going on. Because but the rumor is that um, Zufa is going to do boxing. Yeah, that's see, so like that's what kind of makes me suspicious to think it's like so. Maybe the UFC's model is going to be similar to Bellator's model in that they do boxing and MMA, and that's because yeah. of like McGregor, they're more closely associated with the sport of boxing, and whereas Bellator's, I feel like, more closely associated to like Glory. But why not? Why not do an event where you come out and you box, and you know you have some MMA fights at the end, or vice versa? Yeah, I would like to see. I like to see mixed cards like that. I think you can put on more entertaining fights, but then it does become probably less so about divisions. And I think that the UFC's biggest difficulty is that they try and run like a uh, 500 fighter roster, you know, and yeah, male and female. I people. mean, there's so many people to keep track of. It's like, how could you? Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's so much talent out there that's coming up through the ranks. It's like, that's like Bryce just getting on the ultimate fighter. It's like yeah. Bryce has been a badass for a long time, winning on world series of fighting. And, mm-hmm. uh, and like, that's the series that he's on. It's going to be Stipe versus uh, Cormier. Yeah. He's undefeated. Undefeated. And everybody on that ser- uh, episode, uh, on the ultimate fighter is undefeated mm-hmm. this, uh, this season. I'll be excited to see the, the season because the last one they had I didn't I think I missed most of it I probably watched the first two episodes and they were I watched those on replay <laughs> yeah what'd you uh, what'd you think about the uh, Miocic fight the other night I didn't even watch it Have but um it was kind of as expected I mean I expected Nagano to go out there and you know swing for the fences or try and knock him out and I expected Stipe the duck by, and roll by the third round Stipe had just taken I mean in like in in the second round he did too mm-hmm. but uh, he just man just really had the composure of a champion yeah I think it made a a, a better fighter out of him and a more well-rounded fighter I think he worked on a lot of things to put it together because before great game plan. Yeah, he just had to stand and throw, and he knocked out what's his name backing up Verdun. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought that was awesome, you know, for him to come in there and do yeah, that. Yeah, I mean Stipe, like he had some decisions and stuff, but he's finished. 
I think his last hike, he didn't finish in Ghana, but he'd finished his last five fights before that. Yeah. And you st- you typically see fighters in the, the, the part of their career that Stipe is in going into those five fights mm-hmm. that's when they start winning decisions even yeah. john jones uh which he finished uh cormier in that no contest mm-hmm. um and who did he finish anyone before that he fought uh osp to a decision uh he finished cormier Machida. was a, de- a well yeah but like then he fought gustison to a decision mm-hmm. he fought osp to a decision he fought didn't wasn't the first cormier fight to a decision yeah um He's, you know, you start to see fighters, and whether it's part of their strategy or their game plan or whatever, they take less risk. I, or they get figured out more. I don't know, but that's typically what you see a pattern, even in someone like John Jones. The older they get, and the more the, the veteran they come, the fewer fights they finish. Well, I, I mean, think, they don't. But Stipe's yeah. gotten more dominant, and I you think don't Jones see that a is lot. still. He was still talented enough to do win the fights, like when he started UFC. Because if you watch his. I can't remember how many he got before he got a title shot against. Um, Let's see, he fought Bonner. Yeah, was his first, he, first or second yeah, fight? Yeah, he threw around him, threw him around like a rag doll. Oh, dude, that he didn't he belly to back him. Yeah, yeah. I think like, he used a du- double overhook throw over the back or something like belly that. Belly to belly, maybe. I can't remember, yeah. but it was sick. Yeah, I remember some watching kind of, it. Some I watched kind of that weird card. throw. I want to say that that card might have been like what UFC one hundred and seven. Mm-hmm. Penn versus Diaz. I'm not sure. I'm going to do uh, Sports Unraveled over BJ Penn's last 10 oh, fights. Nice. Yeah. Because I watched Jones's, I think his first fight. I know I watched the Stephen Bonner fight, and I watched uh, Matt Hamill fight. Every one of his fights, when he came in to the UFC, um, I can't remember if he took him down, but I know he finished the fights on the ground with elbows. And the only reason he lost that Matt Hamill fight was a 12 to 6 yeah, elbow. Yeah, for sure. So he's got, what, two no contests on his record now, right? Or yeah. Was that, yeah, was that, a, um, was that a no contest? They ruled the Matt Hamill fight a no contest or a loss? A loss. Yeah, so yeah. he's got a loss and a no contest. Mm-hmm. And then you hear people talk about him, they still refer him to, you know, as an undefeated fighter. Dana White, you know, he'll totally overlook Matt Hamill. Yeah, yeah, which I mean, yeah, he's never... That Gustafson fight was close. Who else did? He, who else am I missing that he fought after um, Shogun? Oh yeah, he beat he beat Shogun to win the light heavyweight championship. Yeah. Then he fought as champion. He fought Machida. He, he fought Rampage too. Rashad Rampage, Evans. Rashad. Um, he fought Cormier. He, he fought, fought Gustafson. He fought uh, um, Tushera. But I don't, did he finish Tushera? Mm, I can't remember. I can't remember I don't think either. so. Like, but I think it was a decision. I'm going to look that up. I can't remember the last fight he finished besides Machida. <laughs> that was a sick finish. Um, yeah. I'm going to get his record up here because I almost guarantee you that. Well, that's why it's impressive to me that Jones came back and finished Cormier. Hmm. Unless it's, unless, you know. And I think that if John, if Jones is on steroids, he's always been on steroids. It's not like he was just on steroids for this fight. So it's not like it. This is like for this fight, kind of taints his legacy type deal. Like, but I, you know, I want to do a whole series of I think podcast was, on performance enhancing drugs too. If, yeah, if you're if you're looking at differences in him, I think the difference came after the Shogun win that he really was a different fighter because he didn't really look for the finish like I thought he used so to. So here's here's his um, here's his trajectory at. Um, well, we'll just we'll go over. So he had um, he fought Andre Guzmao, 
It um, wins a decision, UFC 87. That's the first one. Bonner decision. Then he submits Jake O'Brien at UFC 100, um, which is a sick card. He gets DQ'd uh, and loses to Matt Hamill. Wins TKO's Brandon Vera, Matashenko. Submits Vader. TKO's Hua. Submits Rampage. Submits Machida. Mm -hmm. Goes to a decision with Rashad, but Rashad was, you know, a formidable opponent. Submits Vitor Belfort after almost getting submitted. TKO's Shell Sonnen with elbows. Then, here we go. Gustafson, Tushera, Cormier, and OSP. All decisions. Then he comes back and gets a no contest overturned for uh, the Daniel Cormier fight. Um, and that's like, so then he was, uh, let's see. <clears throat> so he got stripped after the OSP fight uh, for testing positive for controlled substances. Uh, Chymophene and letrozole, retrozole. I don't know how to say these steroid names. And uh, then it was Turnabal. Um, oh, ball. Yeah. Uh, and then what he didn't he have one other issue? Um, fine. Jones, yeah. The, the, the and then the, the other Cormier <laughs> fight. Yeah, the, those dick pills will get you every time, <laughs> man, with those USADA guys. Yeah, but see, so you have him, you know, more decisions coming later in the mm-hmm. career. And Stipe, that is not the case. And that's why I had, uh, when I really started breaking down that Ngannou versus Stipe fight, I was on the Ngannou hype train that the UFC had laid out for me to be on. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, they're, they're, they get good at that on some people. Some people, I'll, I'll buy it. But I mean. Well, I mean, he did decapitate over him. Yeah, but you got to look at the skill set that each fighter brings to that individual fight. I mean, you can get a fighter that's. You know, comes in the UFC and goes on a, a win streak of four or five fights, and everybody's like, "Whoa, whoa!" You know, OMG. yeah, he's, he sh- he he des- deserves a title shot. But if you break down each fight and look at the skills they use to win a fight, sometimes I think it makes a whole lot of difference. But I don't know. I hate to say <laughs> Nagano and Overeem, but Overeem sometimes when he walks into the cage, he doesn't treat it like a fight. He treats it like more like an experiment. Yeah, yeah. Whether he's gonna win or lose is seems secondary. See, that's uh, and I watched. We broke down all six of his fights in the UFC on the, on the podcast. Oh, you did uh, a few episodes ago. We just did a sports for unraveled uh, for Ingano. Oh, okay. and um, I just like my my opinion of him really began to shift. And I thought that it's like Stipe had such a brilliant game plan on the wrestling mm-hmm. that of when and where he chose to implement it that. Uh, that's where his weak spot was. I could tell you, but it's like then it just because that was a weak spot for him in all those fights doesn't mean Stipe is going to be able to exploit that weak spot. He could have chosen a different game plan, a different path. Um, but I thought that, or, or tried too hard to get the takedowns, but I like, it was perfect. Like, and I thought early on the first round, Stipe got kind of dropped and like, Ngannou goes charging Woke in, up. <laughs> and and Stipe is already down on his knees and shoots in and gets a takedown. And mm-hmm. I'm like, that is such a great time. Like one time, Eric, we were talking about Eric before the podcast, um, and I remembered this. He was coaching me at a match in Memphis, and I was stood up, and um, I should have ankle picked when I stood up. Like while you're already down, if you're standing up, that is such a great time. If they are standing to do a takedown, yeah. to do a single, to do a double, to fit something in, to stand up with an ankle. And um, those are just some, some cool little strategies I've picked up along the way that mm-hmm. I use now all the time. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> let me ask you something. The, the Nagano punch, that, 
knocked out Overeem. Was was it a right hook or left left uppercut or right uppercut? I know it was uppercut. It was a lead hand uppercut. Was it lead? Yeah. Do you think it was? Um, how accurate do you think he is to land that punch again? I think his uppercuts are sick. I think that every time he threw an uppercut, it made my butthole pucker. What about his in the stop? But the even though, up. what about his accuracy in these other fights? I think I think he's got I think he's got formidable striking. I really do. I'm not saying I, I think he's young. I'm not saying I think he's the best striker. I think one of the best things he could do would be to drop a little bit of weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I mean, he's a big heavyweight, but I think that in the in the third, fourth, and fifth round, you saw. Uh, that like Stipe is like that perfect weight for a heavyweight in my opinion now like that 235 240 range it's because your heart and lungs can only pump blood and oxygen to so much for so long and if you're a bigger machine you take more and it's like that's why they're like saying that whether or not he trained on the ground or did wrestling or had a wrestling coach in his corner it's obvious he didn't do it enough. Yeah. I'm sure he did it. It's like you're not fighting. I don't think you're fighting in the UFC and not doing those things. But I think that at that level, when you're in a heavyweight world title fight, you got to have all those specialty corners in there. And that's why I went you to that be model able to a few years ago. To fight in every area. Exactly. Yeah. you you got to have people that can give you advice with, hey, this is what we need to be doing on our takedowns this round, okay? Mm-hmm. This is like if the MMA coach is saying, if Greg Jackson's like, hey, we got to get a takedown, there needs to be a wrestling coach there being like, this is how we're going to do it. Just yeah. like he's like, hey, this is what I want you to do for striking, and Michael Winklejohns, this is how you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. There's these specialties, and, I mean, I'm, I'm talking more, if you look at the, like, I mean, GSP's corner. You got mm-hmm. Freddie Roach. Hey, this is what oh, we need yeah. to do in the second round for our boxing, for our overhand, for our jab. Now his his boxing was a whole lot better. George St. Pierre yeah. in the last fight. It was man because how could you train with Freddie Roach and it not be just the best in the world? Uh, now he's trained with him before, but this is the first time I see Refined. him actually. I heard he trained with him the whole time he was boxing. off. I heard yeah. they trained together a lot. So yeah, and um, you know the punch with Nugano. I just thought Overeem was way out of where he needed to be. And it was, I'm not going to say it was a lucky punch, but I'm going to say Nugano is not that accurate of a striker to land that punch again if Overeem's kind of leaning out. Because Overeem was. He off, does, he throws a Overeem lot of uppercuts stylistically. He was offline. Yeah, he did. Then again, it was the lead uppercut, it. though. He did kind of weave into it. My uh, One of my boxers, Tim, he throws a mean ass lead hand uppercut. Like, he will knock your head off with it. Oh, yeah. Have you sparred with Tim? No. Have you? Uh, have you I saw him fight. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you kind of just fight the other night. He's a tank, man. I, I hope that uh, he's able to do Golden Gloves this year. Um, they just changed the rule on Golden Gloves and uh, where you can't. Uh, you have to be 19 to go to nationals. Oh, he's yeah? 18. Really? So he's going to be 18 in March. So mm-hmm. he will be 18 while nationals going on. So he can't go to nationals until next he's year. He's that young. He's got some. Um, he's he's going to be a beast. I know, dude. Right? <laughs> I know. Yeah. Because he's real. He's got a lot of fights this year, and that's like I said, uh, just because there's not a lot of fights to be had, and I like. Both times he's fought that kid have been uh, – two times he's fought that kid have been on shows where, like, hardly anyone showed. Well, yeah, one of the shows, a lot of people showed. Yeah, he's, the other I two, mean, he's only going to get better because of that. I know, man. Like, I mean, it's like it was his fifth, sixth, and then uh, – wait, let's see, like, fourth, fifth, and seventh fight or something like that, third, fourth, and seventh fight that he fought that kid. Mm-hmm. And, like, I mean, has had sick wins 
the fights in between. So like when he fights an open class fighter, he likes it puts him out, you know, oh, yeah? standing TKOs, two, two standing eight counts. Uh, he got a knockdown in his fight before that. I mean, he's he's still growing, man. He's training hard he's, and he relaxes a lot in the fight. From what I saw, he had a couple of moments where we're making adjustments he's on like, his earlier rounds. We got him doing uh-huh. more sprints and stuff. So. But yeah, he's 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 figuring it out. He's growing from it, and oh, yeah. I'm excited to see. And I mean, you know, like on the pro boxing circuit, it's like I'm I'm surprised. I'm I'm hoping to see uh, Zufa do something interesting. Yeah. So that whatever to give, it does has to, to be to give you know people like a, a new fire. Well, I don't really like there. It's like you're going to go the Olympic route, you're going to go the pro boxing route, or what? And I don't like those a and b options that much on their uh business model so uh like going to these like bigger regional boxing shows it's like Mm -hmm. especially if there's like a special guest there like you know we have an mma show with like frank mirror on it or something like oklahoma and stuff it's uh it's funny people will be uh Mm-hmm. Hey man, uh, here's my business card. You want to fight, bro? You give me a call. You know, it's <laughs> like what, dude? Like this guy that lost to Floyd Mayweather in Mayweather's first title fight was there, just sharking all the talent, oh, man. Yeah. And that's a real part of it, you know. And I mm-hmm. was like, I was t- looked over at Tim. I was like, you see that? <laughs> that's what I was telling. It's the way about. it goes. Yeah. Well, dude, um, we'll have to have you back on. Let's go ahead and uh, start wrapping it up because uh, we got to go do some jujitsu. Oh, yeah. uh, getting close to that time. Do that training thing. Yeah, we're about to <laughs> about to go get our roll on at the gym for some martial arts. Uh, so, uh, real quick, you want to give uh, any plugs before we uh, get off the air? Oh shoot! Yeah, I'll give a few plugs. If anybody out there listening, you know, you coming through Fort Smith, give me a ring at Thompson Defense Academy. I mean. We'll do some training. We'll sit down and talk or what have you. Um, you have your I, own podcast. Yeah, I got my own podcast. It's called Mega Talks. I've been doing that probably 11 episodes deep right now. Got some other people lined up. Had a few new shows. Um, you know, that's just the podcast life. But um, Reschedules. Yeah, reschedule those. But um, find me on iTunes. Uh, I'm trying to get hooked up with... Um, Supposed to get it approved for Stitcher, not too long. I got on Stitcher super fast somehow. Yeah. We'll get on Stitcher, iTunes, and then I submitted to Spotify. Oh, yeah. I, they, we just had a, or my host uh, just had a Spotify thing pop up and I applied on there. Yeah, my likewise. I'm probably going to do some YouTube, but I mean, look for it out there. Um, you can go to popbean.com slash megatalks and you hear the episodes up there. I do a lifestyle podcast, so. Talk to a lot of different people from different walks of life. It's just not straight uh, jujitsu. It's not just straight MMA. It's everything, bro. It's life yeah, unraveled. I know. <laughs> I don't want to. I can't get into just one subject. I like a lot of different subjects. I mean, gotta have fun. Still gonna hear every every once in a while. You hear some MMA stuff, but <laughs> yeah. No, it's like just our list of topics we went over today is a thematic rainbow of greatness. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, but, uh, um, yeah. Thompson Defense Academy, Mega Talks Podcast. Also, look for more or my clothing line coming out 2018. Probably have some spring release. It's not going to be a huge release. We're going to do at least two or three T-shirts and a few more items to get into 2018. It's a hard bit trying to run multiple businesses. <laughs> it is, man. It yeah. is. But, uh, you it, know. Oh, Ultimate Expression. Look for its own... Um, Shoot, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. 
You have a website? Mm, ultimate Expression. Look for it. With the store is on storeenvy.com. We used to have a website, but um, websites kind of... Dude, you know, I, you I go through your to, peaks and so valleys many, with websites getting so many a lot of hits. Right now, dude. Yeah. I'm, trying, I'm doing a consolidation project. Yeah, and I have a couple of different websites, but the Ultimate Expression website went away when you just uh, produced the store there because we put most of our content just on uh, social media. I mean, yeah, that's the that's best outlet. I get my best response on everything. Yeah. Honestly. Nobody wants to go to your webpage and watch a video, 30-second video they could have saw on Instagram or just a picture. Word. <laughs> Plus, it costs cost on your T-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, now you do you do have some sick designs, so uh, definitely everybody check them out. Chris Thompson, Ultimate Expression, Thompson Defense Academy, Mega Talks. We're definitely going to have you back on the podcast. I would uh, uh, love to be on your podcast. We're definitely going to make oh, that happen. Sure. We just need to do it. Uh, something yeah. similar to what we're doing today on a Friday. But uh, mm-hmm. we're going to go get our train on. Thanks, guys, for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Life Unraveled. <laughs>